Today's podcast is brought to you by 13 Star Designs. 13 Star Designs is a unique vinyl and embroidery shop featuring seasonal designs, spooky gifts, and of course, their signature item, the world-famous dick mark. The first ever penis-shaped bookmark. They sell wreaths and blankets and towels and all sorts of cool and weird stuff. Even book- bookmarks shaped like bookmarks, if you can even imagine. Check them out at facebook.com slash 13stardesigns and find something perfectly strange for that strangely perfect person in your life. That's facebook.com slash 13, all spelled out, star designs. Hi, everybody. I'm Josh. And I'm Alyssa. And we are back. Today's episode of The Podcast Was On Fire. And it wasn't my fault. We're a read-along pod where we dig into the good, the great, and the problematic of the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher. I'm an old Dresden vet. This is my first time through. And we are digging through the Dresden Files series. Uh, we're, we're on book five. This mm-hmm. is part three of book five, chapters 13 through 17 of Death Masks. Book five. Wow. It is. What a long, strange journey it's been, huh? <laughs> it's definitely been an adventure. We are just scratching the surface of where this series is going. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, couple of new characters and some excitement. I guess the, she didn't. She wasn't a new character. She showed up at the very end last week. But yes, but uh, some our, new action. Exactly. Our new Denarian friend. Who we'll get to know as time goes on. I mentioned last week that I don't know who the fallen angel is in Spiky Medusa Lady. Oh, who that? I don't know. I'm going to call her D. Just shits and giggles. Um, but uh, no, but she's, she's one that bounces around. And I, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know if we ever got her... I know we haven't we haven't seen it this time around. Oh yeah, no, no, definitely not um, here. But I'm trying to think. She she comes back up. She's a she's a player moving forward. Okay, uh, or at, at least a. Uh, she's not a pawn. She's like a bishop. Okay, <laughs> I guess it's probably. But either way, um, is that too much to say? I don't know. Probably no so, idea. It's funny watching movies with like mom or Aaron who like demand to know everything. Yeah, no, I, it drives me absolutely nuts because it's like, I haven't seen it yet either. Oh, well, it's when I have, but my answer is always, oh, I don't remember. But the way I watch media is I always say, oh, she's the one. Oh, oh, he did it. Oh, they're going to lose this time, aren't they? And I say that just that's how I go through it. And they'll oh. just answer my questions. <laughs> they're like, you asked. I'm like, no, I didn't. I was asking the universe, not you. That's funny. But then like, buddy dan that would be he would be mad at me for saying that that character comes back later he wants nothing on anything which i I respect um just a funny juxtaposition ah it's different levels of acceptable spoilers is what you're saying exactly different strokes for different folks yeah and i mean honestly i'll probably forget and then she'll be back i'm like oh wait 
<laughs> well, again, there's also so many moving pieces that I, yeah. I just want to like, you know, like I, I'm trying to shine a flashlight in some of the darker corners. You're like, Ooh, that's interesting. Hmm. Don't you think that's interesting without <laughs> trying to sound like I'm doing that? I, I, well, Hey, some of it I've kind of, uh, I've called up. So, you know, you've done a great job of it. Honestly, I, I haven't been directing at all. I've, um, like I said, it's not all right, but that's also no. cool that you're confident enough to guess to just spit it out there. Throw I, it out there. I had a great talk with one of my old players yesterday. He was uh, on an older group now and he's just had a really rough week. And I was like, your teammates are glad you're there to take those. Like you're going to keep failing. Like, like your teammates give you the opportunity to fail. You're going to have opportunity. You've earned opportunities to fail. Mm-hmm. Keep cracking. You know, like it's, there's a reason why we keep giving you the ball. Like we yeah. don't give the ball to the shitty guys in big spots. Like you had a rough time. Like you've earned the, you've earned the, you've earned the responsibility of failing sometimes. And that's okay. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. But, but he, that's uh, also a kind of a good perspective on life in general, you know? Oh, absolutely. We, I don't teach water polo lists. Water polo is the tool. I know, Joshy. I know. <laughs> water polo is the crayon I draw on the construction <laughs> paper with. Um, the yellow crayon and the yellow construction paper. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty deep album cut, but. What? Buffy. What did you say? You said the yellow crayon on young. Oh, Yes. Yeah, it's a deep, that's a very deep album Buffy reference. Um, or it wasn't, but it is also that. Yeah, it um, wasn't intentionally, but no, it definitely is. There you go. He, he saved the world. Um, lost an eye. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Because I really hope somebody who's never seen Buffy before watches Buffy. Um, Joshy, Joshy. What? It's like 25 years old. I know. So was this book series. <laughs> that's true that's true but different media media is different kinds of media fair enough but um oh yeah so my uh there's i had a conference tournament my junior year i was our leading scorer going into the tournament and i went one for 17 in shooting we did not have a good tournament and kian finished the year with a it's the top dog in goal school what a jerk <laughs> um Failing is good. You, you win or you learn. That's, how I That's say. a really good way to look at it. Well, I also haven't jumped in the pool at national championships, so <laughs> take the hey. good of the bad, I guess. Uh, yet. yet. Life. I'm, I'm coming for you, Shieldy. Shieldy is the USA water polo mascot. There's a mascot. He's shaped like the USA water polo logo. Like the, like like the shield. Shape. Yeah, so his name is Shieldy. And Shieldy. Shieldy's going in the water with us when Carl's done. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to get a get a red card during the celebration. That's my goal. I mean, hey, why not? Shieldy! Uh, I digress. Yeah, another um, good chunk. This was only five chapters this week. You can kind of see why it pretty contained yeah. arc But I, I think, it, you know, there's this this book has a lot of meat to it. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. And it's funny, I, I mean, I was complaining about that same thing with Summer Night, especially early on. Mm-hmm. But I guess once Summer Night kind of got cooking, I started to really get into it. Mm-hmm. But er- early on, it felt like he was kind of struggling to juggle it all. I-, I felt like from the first chapter, this one's been really coherent. And again, oh, just yeah. another nod to how quickly he's gone from Wonderkind to 
just elite. You know, you could see flashes of like, there's a ridiculous talent here early on, but the way he's juggling these storylines and keeping it moving, I, it, it really is great storytelling. He's got a good storyboard. That's probably true. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. You want to catch everybody up where we're at and I will hop in to chapter seven. Uh, so we have a missing shroud of Turin that Vincent, a uh, priest from the Vatican has tasked our plucky hero and with finding uh, he has tracked it down to a pair of thieves that call themselves the church mice. And oh, he's it's on it's only a pair of thieves now. Yes. Poor uh, Gaston. Uh, but they are on a boat in the harbor and he thinks he's outsmarting them. They outsmart him as per usual. And uh, something's coming down the stairs. Of the boat. Something very much is. Mm-hmm. And l- luckily, our plucky hero was partway handcuffed. Only partway, thankfully. O- only partway. And this is another one of the Denarians, the second one we have met. She looks like a demented love child of Medusa and Dr. Octopus. Oh my God, I love that, that combination of references. Oh, it's great. So she has one-inch strips of sheet metal, basically, writhing mm-hmm. around her head like a cloud of living serpents, which is really cool. Um, obviously, Medusa is kind of the... Uh, the snakes. No, she, but she's the no. uh, she is it is snakes, but the inspiration. Oh, she, oh yeah, she's a, she's a demigod who uh, basically, if she looks up upon you, you turn to stone. Oh yeah, and um, she, I think, did Zeus do that to her? Somebody did it. No, uh, Aphrodite did it to her, um, out of spite. I believe it was Aphrodite, but yeah, these gods. <laughs> The choices they make sometimes. Seriously. Um, but she is definitely the inspiration for this oh, yeah. visual. And, Fantastically. Um, and I love that he doesn't like try to like think of another reference. He just references Medusa. Like obviously, uh-huh. that, you know what I mean? Like you got, don't got to jump outside the box on that one. Exactly. You don't need to like try to like uh, snob it up. You know, it's very clear. Exactly. Um, and obviously this is surprising to the three characters down there in on the étranger or étranger depending on where uh how how often you like to say all of the letters and words. And there he's down there with Anna Anna Valmont and Francisca Garcia, the two remaining mm-hmm. church church mice as Lissy referenced. And this is basically a shooting gallery. I mean it's a tiny it's a boat. I don't know how big the boat is, but it's a boat. And there's one crazy, strong, scary, Denarian, fallen angel, human hybrid with claws and whipping sword hair. Mm-hmm. Two terrified straights and a handcuffed wizard. <laughs> ding, ding. Let's see what happens here. Um, I like how he describes... It's Deirdre. I'm going to call it Deirdre. Because that's what her name is. Um, he describes the demon as a ner- like uh, a nervous teenage girl with her quick, breathless, excited laugh, mm-hmm. um, which is very different from what we got with Ursiel. Right? There's there was no human side to that 
confrontation. Mm-hmm. It was the bear, and the bear got scarier as it went on, but it it wasn't Rasmussen wasn't involved, right? And here it Correct. seems it he was just a, a, a passenger basically in that. Whereas here it seems like you know she exists, or this angel is a lot more human like. Certainly one of those mm-hmm. two, right? Um, which is interesting. Also a little bit disturbing. Oh yeah, because if you think about it, there's this massive disturbing. He describes it the scales and the dozen metallic ribbons of writhing hair lashed across the room. And then she is doing that like preteen girl (laughs) excitement kind of thing. That's just absolutely terrifying combination of things. She's delighted. She gets to kill stuff. Yeah. Like that's just absolutely ridiculous. And terrifying. If you think about it, because the one thing you, you, you know, you've got this demon, which, okay, demon's bad. Big, scary, bad. But then if you think about, like, a teenage girl, teenage girls are awful. They're horrible. <laughs> Only so to we, each other, though, and their moms. But that's, that's the kind group. of, that's the energy, the mean girl's energy here. Yes. That's kind of what I was getting. So we have this teenage girl who's really excited that she just jammed her hair through Francisca Garcia. Mm-hmm. And her dying words were, oh, my guest on, which is interesting and a little sad. Oh, quite. Um, not interesting enough to really, like, have it aside. Just, you know, oh, oh, you know. There, wonder what Anna felt about that, actually. <laughs> well, you know, it just makes you wonder what the relationship there is. Ex- exactly. That's what I mean. Like, was she... A full partner in this, which you know, uh, either way, it doesn't neither here nor there, and we're never going to find out because two thirds of the church mice are already dead before we get into this. All right, Gonzo. Wah, wah. And so Harry reaches for his blasting rod, can't grab, can't find it, but he grabs the pepper spray instead because that's all that's there, mm-hmm. and he blasts a fallen angel in the face with pepper spray. I mean, which is just such a great mundane way to attack a fallen angel teenage girl with writhing metal sword hairs that I just love it. Well, and it's 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 that grounding in reality in our reality. You know what I you know what I mean? Like, okay, so I've been sprayed in the face with pepper spray um, for professional reasons, which sounds really, really wrong. But I had to do chemical weapons training and one of the things in order to carry shockingly i haven't been in order to be able to carry um pepper spray you have you have to go through chemical weapons training and so i you know i got sprayed in the face with pepper spray i went through the the um the gas house and it's awful and so it this is also such a great modern real world weapon because he talks about when he got to the harbor, he talks about how he couldn't have brought his gun because he didn't want to get arrested. But it's legal to carry a small thing of pepper spray. I thought it was fantastic. It's just such a great, again, we're, we're dealing with the world building, but not just the world building of the fantasy of the, of the supernatural, but the interaction with our, our times, what we know. And I just love it. Yeah, it really is great. And again, it's the, the difference between 
your high fantasy and urban fantasy, right? Is mm-hmm. the, the collision of mundane real world stuff. Yeah. With it, which I just think is, is delightful. <laughs> but I also love in any world building activity. I love when day to day stuff is mentioned, you know, like in the, in the crazy, like, well, for instance, like uh, dealing with the hobbits where their eating schedule is just such a normal thing, but it's such part of the hobbits existence, you know, <laughs> breakfast, seconds, breakfast, 11 Z's and all of that stuff. And it's just like, that's, but I love that combination of stuff. And this is just such a normal everyday thing within this crazy high, high paced kind of environment that we're in. And I love it. Yeah. And I've mentioned that before. I, I really dig the white council. I dug the Re- Republic Senate bullshit in the prequels. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I was not the, I was kind of in between the age like of the prequels. I was older Star Wars mm-hmm. fan, but like, I love the political machinations shit. Like, I, yeah. I, I love Game of Thrones, but I don't give a shit about dragons. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So she interestingly actually does get affected by it. It obviously doesn't shut her down or anything. But like only that. one set of the eyes does. Very true. Very good point. Uh, the, the human eyes obviously don't yeah. love pepper spray. The eight angelic eyes don't give a fuck. <laughs> right. Anything <laughs> chicken wing. Exactly. And she says, you'll pay for that. Cause it fucking hurts, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily hurt her. So I love Harry always thinking, you know, we, we, again, we talk about that. The only person who really thinks, I, mean, I think Harry's a bozo, but he's not an idiot. <laughs> it's an important distinction. I, mean, um, I, 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 uh, I resemble that remark. <laughs> fair enough. It's, but he's, he's very clever, but he also just, says and does dumb things sometimes right yeah. usually when women are well, we all but uh, that's very true again i am who am i <laughs> i got mirrors in my house and believe me i hate every one of them there's an asshole looking at me at each one um, i gotta call somebody about this <laughs> he yells to anna get she can't have it get it out of the fridge she must not have it which is where the deception that he didn't fall for that they had set up. They had a, a regular <laughs> fridge and then a fake fridge with a lockbox in it to try to trick would-be thieves. Which and so Harry, it's great. And then Harry uses that to, to, to trick our demon. So she grabs the fridge and di- dips, tearing the, the boat's cabin uh, apart like paper mache. I love that. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely shredding things, but maybe not even intentionally. Her hair is just whipping around. Who knows? And, and uh, she takes- hair just goes everywhere. She takes the strong box and hops into the water. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do with it? Can't be hydrodynamic. That's all I know. She's certainly stronger than me, though. Who knows? Um, probably. She might be strong. <laughs> she definitely has sharper hair. <laughs> hey, come on. You have soft, beautiful curls, Josh. Aw, shucks. <laughs> you don't have Medusa Doc Ock hair. Sorry. One of these days. <laughs> Life goals. Hashtag. So Anna's obviously losing it because some shit that doesn't exist just happened. Mm-hmm. And she says, what? This was, a, this is a big, like the fuck just happened moment. What was that? What, what, what was that? What was that? What the bloody hell was that? Oh dear God. <laughs> I don't have, what was that? The bloody L was that? 
she is holding, clutching Francisca's limp form to her, which again, like, there's so much relationship building of these characters that are basically throwaways. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's just great. <laughs> like, like, they have, I have no business caring this much about the, the church mice. But I think what it is, is that every character we touch has significance in this world. And that's something that, I mean, this is just obviously my perspective on what Butcher's doing here, but every single character has some sort of impact. And it, I think that part of it could also be where create enough backstory for each character. You don't know who's going to get the ax. You don't know who's going to come back. You don't know who's going to stick around. So very much, you don't have really, um, two-dimensional characters because he doesn't want to show his hand. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I mean, it really does go back to Brave Peril where where Bianca says, you would flirt with chaos, destruction, with war for the sake of this one wounded soul. Mm -hmm. I smote my staff on the floor, reaching deep for power, deeper than I've ever reached before. Dot, dot, dot. For the sake of one soul, for one loved one, for one life, the way I see it, there's nothing else worth fighting a war for. I like that. I didn't even think about it that way. I, I was thinking, you know, that character is so important, but he actually says that in the text. Yeah, no, I, every I, I honestly. Single soul. I love that. I didn't make the connection until you said it that way. And so I just went back and looked up that quote because that's awesome. That wasn't prepared. <laughs> but that's because, one of the cool things about us talking about this stuff and going through everything is uh you know because there's some stuff that i see that like as we're going through it's like oh dude like we've i've had so many oh dude moments where it's fantastic yeah i, I mean i mentioned last week that harry's we kind of found harry the character's raison d'etre with mm-hmm. when he was talking to old Sharvas. but that is kind of a thesis statement for this series is that like mm-hmm. there are super powered people and there's grunts and every single one of them matters. And we care yeah. about, again, like Francisco Garcia was in, is in one scene in a 17 novel story with a bunch of short stories and uh, micro fictions. And I know so much about her and I like care yeah. about her death. Like, obviously it's not like breaking me up or anything like that, but it's just, it's, still sad. it's, it's, it's incredible. And I, I really love that we made that connection yeah. back to that record quote because i mean because it works it works both as that kind of like emotional attachment and emotional um that emotional importance of each character but it also works decently as a story tool and you know so one of the when i this comes back to you know everything comes back to my freaking job but when i was a baby investigator and started out um we were one of my my mentor was telling me about you know that it doesn't matter who these people were. They still have families and it's even moms have moms. Then it doesn't matter who they were when they were alive. They still have people that love them. And that's kind of the, like sort of the image that I had here where it doesn't matter who, they, how small of a character they were. They have a world outside of us. And I kind of just love that, which is super nerdy. And I know. <laughs> well, it's not, I mean, I mean, why it is definitely, but it also, <laughs> it, it, as much as it is the, Harry's moral compass, like mm-hmm. it's kind of our reason for doing this too. Is like there's some yeah. really good stuff in here, and I want to recognize that it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but it's really fucking good. And it is. 
the stuff like that right there, that connection is brilliant. And I, I, that is how I feel about the world. And there, that's why there's this, I have such a connection to this character that I have nothing in common, you know? Well, I have complete inability to communicate with women and understand their weird, (laughs) weird wrinkled brains. Oh goodness. But besides that, I mean, I'm (laughs) not quite as tall as him. Um, (laughs) But no, that's one of the things I think why, um, you know, and I'm speaking for you on this, but I think that's why we like this, these, the way Jim Butcher writes. I think that's one of the things that we both appreciate is that there's no throwaway characters. Yeah. There are characters that aren't around for a long time, but none of them are throwaway. Yeah. Even in that scene with the old lady in the park. Yeah, exactly. If he mentions them, there's a reason for it. And that's going to totally fuck with my head reading this from here on out. <laughs> now that I just said that out loud. <laughs> but it's fantastic because that's the thing where it's it's we we're going through these because, you know, we both love a good story. And these are just fantastic kind of little tidbits that we're sort of. Kind of easing out of the story, and I love it. Yeah, 100 percent. So. He and Anna are now trying to get out. They realize Francisca is no longer with us. And he asks her, can you get out? And he turns his back on ostensibly an enemy. And she does what ostensible enemies do. And mm-hmm. she blasts him in the back of the head. Twice. But I do love, twice, yes. But I do love that she then comes back and splashes yes. water on his face to make sure he doesn't drown. Uh, again, just these little, little humanizing moments that bring it all back. And now we, now, now we can care about what happens to Anna the rest of the way, you know? Yes. And the thing too, is that she's human and there's very few, even in, even in these books, there's, there's very few people that are truly all bad or all good. Even Marcone is, is evil, but he's like a a neutral evil. You know, he's, he's evil, but he doesn't go out of his way to be mustache twirling. Um, Exactly. And that's, that's an important thing though, for this too, because yeah. it, it adds to the realism. hundred percent. All right. So back, back to our story here. Back to the story here. We really doing, do go off on tangents. I guess we're doing a podcast. There's an oh, hour right. of this. There was an hour long conversation just cut out of this podcast. <laughs> Everyone listening. We're only 35 minutes in. We're good. I know. Um, I do love, she doesn't just, knock him out and then splash him. She mm-hmm. knocks him out, gets halfway up the steps, spits out a curse and then comes back and splashes him to make sure he doesn't drown. <laughs> and steals his jacket. Oh yeah. She steals his jacket. Of course it's a good looking jacket. But there's, but just, I, there's so many layers of that interaction. It's amazing. It really is. I just love that. She, she wanted to just leave him and she's yeah. like, God damn it. I can't fucking do it. And it's very much a son of a bitch. I have a conscience. <laughs> God damn it. But, you know, everybody has those moments, too, where you're just like, I'm just going to say fuck it. And then you can't really actually say fuck it. <laughs> fuck this guy. I don't even care. I don't even care, bro. I don't even care. I, I, mm. I don't care. I don't care. I, I don't care. Yeah, we're, not very, <laughs> we're not very good at I don't caring. That's the problem. <laughs> Catholic schooling. Guilt. Oh, my God. I, I feel guilty about shit I'm not even involved in. I have all the negative things you get with growing up Catholic. I just don't have any of that future heaven to look forward to. 
Seriously. Yeah. A culturally Catholic atheist is an interesting way of life. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's hilarious. Like when Notre Dame wins. I mean, who does it? Those helmets most, are pretty, are pretty most people, they're gorgeous. <laughs> he thinks that he wants to get Francisca's body out of the boat so that she can kind of be laid to rest with some dignity. He realizes there's no way he can do that because he can't even curse coherently. Yeah. So he wobbles out of the boat, very concussed and very tall. And he's probably going to get noticed. We'll see. Um, but he takes the memo pad that she was writing on mm -hmm. for the first real phone call before the fake phone call to trick him. He slogs. He gets out of there. He thought inconspicuous thoughts. And I love away. that. My favorite part here is that this is at least the third chapter, probably fourth, where he ends with basically, well, today's going to suck. <laughs> right. And isn't it the same fucking day? Like, dear God, he, he hurried away before his morning could get any worse. He's had a really bad set of days. All right. So he uh, he heads back home. And uh, <laughs> he shambles in, washed down a couple of Tylenol with a can of Coke. And folded some ice into a towel. Then he sits down and he calls Father Vincent. And he says, it's in town. The two church mice had it on a boat in Burnham Harbor. You have it? Uh, not strictly speaking. No, something went wrong. What happened? Why didn't you call me? A third party made a grab for it. And what do you think I'm doing right now? I had a shot to recover the thing. I took it. I missed. And the shroud was taken from the thieves. Thief. Singular. Chicago PD is probably recovering the body of her partner right now. They turned on each other? Not even. A new player killed Garcia. Belmont duped the third party into taking a decoy. She then grabbed the real McCoy and ran. And you didn't see fit to follow her? My head pounded steadily. She ran really fast. So the shroud is lost to us once more? I love for, that. For now. I might have another lead. You know where head is gone? Not yet. That's why it's called a lead and not a solution. I need that sample of the shroud. To be frank, Mr. Dresden, I did bring a few threads with me from the Vatican, but great. Get one of them to my office and drop it off with the security downstairs. They'll hold it for me until I can pick it up. I'll call you as soon as I have anything more definite. But I hung up on Vincent and felt a twinge of vindictive satisfaction. You didn't seek to follow her? I muttered to Mr. doing my best to imitate Vincent's accent. This has to be the first time Harry's done been that side of that uh, conversation like that right what do you mean like getting one up on somebody in a like oh yeah good then so. bring it, good then bring it over to my office bye fuck off yep yep hanging up <laughs> feels and great to, to be on the, the winning side of one of these for once and uh i got your didn't see fit i got your didn't see fit to follow her white collar jerk how about i ring your bell a few times and then you can go say mass or something mister gave me a look as if to say that i shouldn't say such things about about paying clients. <laughs> I love Mr. Uh, and so he looks at the paper again. It says Mar he uses a piece of charcoal and does the old uh, noir movie detective trick where they rub the charcoal over the, pa the pad of paper. And it says Marriott, two, three, four, five. And he's one of the hotels. It could have been someone's last name too, or maybe a kind of French word. Don't make it more complicated than it has to be, Harry. Which is what I was thinking when he was saying those things. So we're on the same page there. Uh, it probably meant the hotel. 
The number appeared to be a military time for a quarter to midnight, maybe even a room number. It didn't tell him much, but he also took a cell phone. And he says, I know about, I knew as much about cell phones as I did about gastrointestinal surgery. Which is a really good comparison because obviously he doesn't know anything. There's no markings on the phone. There's no information. He And he knows that if he turns it on, it'll probably explode. So he needs Murphy's help on that. And he's realizing he just needs some sleep. He heads to his, heads to his room, sets his alarm clock, and flops down in his bed. And then his phone rang. Because of course it did. He answers the phone, and it is Waldo Butters calling to speak to Mr. Harry Dresden. He says, the germs are gone. Germs, I asked? In the samples I took from that body, I ran all the checks again just to be sure. I'd better than half of them turned up negative. Nothing. Zip. Zero. Ugh, I said. Okay, then. Caveman Og. Where'd germs go? Sunrise, I said. Poof. Butter's voice sounded bewildered. Vampire germs? The tiny capes are a dead giveaway. <laughs> I started pulling up my train of thought into motion at last. Not vampire germs, constructs. See, at sunrise, it's like the whole magical world gets reset to zero. New beginnings. Most spells don't hold together through even one sunrise, and it takes a lot to make them last through two or three. Magic germs, Butter said. Are you telling me I've got magic germs? Magic germs, I confirmed. Someone called them up with magic. Like an actual magic spell? Usually you call nasty, hurtful spells a curse. But by tomorrow or the next day, those other samples will probably have zeroed out too. Are they still infectious? Assume they are. They're good as real until the energy that holds them together falls apart. Christ. You're serious. It's for real. Well, yeah. Is there a book or cliff notes or something on this stuff? I actually smiled that time. Just me. Anything else? Not much. I swept the body for genetic remains but got nothing. The cuts on the corpse were made with... Either a surgical scalpel or some other kind of small, fine blade. Maybe a utility knife. And he goes to tell him that this, the cuts are cleaner than a surgeon could manage on an operating table. But the head and parts were cut off with the same type of blade. The same exact blade. And Harry asks if it's sword. It'll have to be a hell of, one hell of a sharp sword. They still haven't identified him. And Butters asks about the tattoo. He says it's the Eye of Toth. He's trying to narrow down who exactly uses it. And Butters tells him had to go to sleep. Sleep is God. Go worship. He hung up the phone and didn't get to take the second step toward his bed when somebody knocked at the damn door. And Harry says, I need one of those trap doors, tells Mr. I could push a button and people would fall screaming down a wacky slide thing and land in mud somewhere. Mr. was far too mature to dignify that with a response. So I kept a hand near my gift rack. <laughs> Such a good boy. <laughs> but I love how he calls it his gift rack. The shelf with all of his stuff to deter whatever's on the other side of it. And it's Susan. Harry thinks she's there to dump him. Drive-by dumping. He calls it exactly a drive-by dumping. And she says it, it isn't even easy for anyone. And he asks about Martin. And he says, and before you say anything, I know damn well I'm being insane and possessive. I know that we were quits before you left town. It's been more than a year and it's been hard on you. It's only natural for you to find someone irrational and childish for me to be upset. And I don't care. Harry, she began. It's not as if you couldn't have been thinking about it. I continued somewhere. I knew that I'd start choking on my foot if I kept shoving it in my mouth. You kissed me. You kissed me, Susan. I know you. You meant it. This isn't. I bet you don't kiss 
snoozy, snoozy Martin like that. Harry, you're right. I don't kiss Martin like that. I don't kiss him at all. I'm not involved with Martin. So Harry's got a little bit of a relief in that. So Susan sits down on the ground next to him. And, you know, she says she wants to leave. And she says that there's a lot of, there's a lot that's been happening in my life. A lot of things that I didn't know. And he's just like, what? How dangerous the world is for one. She ended up in Peru and, and she learned that the Red Court is everywhere, that there are whole villages out in the country supporting groups of them, like cattle bred for the Lord of the Manor. The vampires feed on everyone, addict them all, even the children. And, you know, she wants to help. She found where she can help down there and she took a job. And she says, you could come with me. Go with her. Leave Chicago. Leave Murphy, the Alphas, Michael. Leave a horde of problems, many of them ones I'd created for myself. I thought of packing up and heading out. Maybe fighting the good fight, being loved again, held again. God, I wanted that. But people would get hurt. Friends. Others who might be in my kind of danger and have no one to turn to. I looked into Susan's eyes and saw hope there for a moment. Then, understanding. Basically, he made the same realization that she did. He can't leave where he's needed, and she needs to go where she's needed. We learned that Martin's just a coworker helping her kind of pack stuff up. And since when do coworkers help you pack stuff up? Eh, I don't know. But they, she gets closer to him and smells blood on him, and she has to back away. And then she says, you need rest. She finds the Marriott memo, and so she's going to do some groundwork for him. And she leaves. He makes the realization that, you know, he says, maybe I should have gone with her after all. But no, part of the change was she felt hungrier now, too. More quietly sensual, as if every sight and sound and touch of the room occupying was her attention. She smelled drops of blood on my clothing, and it had excited her enough to make her move away from me. She had an instinctive hunger for my blood. So he got in the sh- he got in, so, took a shower, got ready for bed, and real, real went quick, to bed. Mm-hmm. I know that vampirism is almost always portrayed as sexual that's just Mm -hmm. how it is and that is fine but she has a deeper sense of purpose she found a place for herself where she could do some good Mm -hmm. she's more quietly sensual as if every sight and sound and touch was like what i'm not sure about that i I don't i don't really get the i don't think it's like that i don't think it's bad it's just more just like i don't i don't see that as sensual Unless you're just going on the vampire tropes, you know what I mean? Like that's true. Yeah, she she just has a purpose and she wants to do stuff. She she wants to. She she found out what the people who turned her are about, and she wants to kind of push back on them in the world. I think. I don't think it's more sensual at all. I, mean, I think it's just a different. Um, Different path, different tack. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's that's how that's how I took it. I just 
It's a fine. That entire paragraph is fine, except for that one word just kind of. It is a strange word choice. Stands out a little bit. But again, Harry. He gets a lot of leeway for me with with an ex-girlfriend. Your brain does not work. It is a weird word choice, so I agree. So this has been going on for many novels now, all of the novels, basically, where he had bad dreams, the usual fare. Flames devoured someone who screamed my name. Pretty girl spread her arms, eyes closed, and fell slowly backwards as dozens of fine cuts opened all over her skin. The air became a fine pink spray. I turned from it into a kiss with Susan, who drew me down and tore out my throat with her teeth. Obviously, that particular imagery isn't common, but I, again, I've read these books so many times. <laughs> Don't recall all these dreams referencing past novels. I just blasted through this. I think I probably had it on 1.10 on audio most of the time. Um, but it's very interesting that he yeah. keeps having these dreams referencing. Certainly, I would have to imagine the first one is his fight with uh, Demorn and mm -hmm. either Justin or Elaine yelling his name. The pretty girl is obviously Aurora getting cut open by Toot Toot. And the yeah. pizza guard, or the pizza lord's guard. But could it and, also be Francesca, or whatever her name is? What is her name? I, Francisca. Francisca. I was Francisca Garcia. Um, yeah, I guess it could be. I, I I think of this. The connection I made was to the past dreams. Yeah, where he referenced the fight at the Shadow Man's Which house. Totally makes sense. Yeah. So I, I kind of looked at this as a connection to that because it's okay. something that I didn't notice. I mean, obviously. I, heard it oh he's having bad dreams yeah, it sucks but i didn't put it all together i didn't really notice that it's a thematic regular yeah. thing that comes up you know what i mean um but as we're it. breaking it down little by little you're like oh shit <laughs> yeah but when you read a chapter six times in a week like you yeah things start to pop more than <laughs> you just more than normal rushing through it on your way to work you know yeah but um obviously the kiss that turned into a murder was not from a past novel, but thankfully we get the dream. And then a woman who seemed familiar, but he didn't, re but whom he did not recognize. I like that he used whom when Charity didn't use whom last week. Whom's a great word. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And Charity's mean. So I like holding grammar or something over mean people. So, but. This woman who seemed familiar, but he didn't recognize, shook her head and drew her hand from left to right. She said, you need to rest. So, definitely interesting. Yeah. Talk about that as we get into the deeper into the pod. If anyone's still left six hours in. <laughs> Mickey Mouse woke him up. He's also got, he, uh, Dresden also, more things we have in common. He has an alarm clock. Mine's a little more modern and not as corporate, but, uh, <laughs> I bought it from somebody, but a, uh, Mickey Mouse alarm clock wakes him up. And I really do like this chapter. <laughs> it's funny because he doesn't sleep much. Yeah. Same, I would, same. I wouldn't sleep in the same room with the person who would smack Mickey Mouse. No. It's just great. I love that. It's fantastic. So he gets up. Goes through his, his laundry list of things he's got to do. 
checking in with everybody. Nobody's around because they don't have cell phones yet, I guess. Um, they do, it, but not as much. They they do, but it's definitely this trans this transitive phase mm-hmm. of human existence where not it's everybody has one. Exactly. Tweener time. My senior year of high school, I started taking my mom's cell phone to like stuff. Whenever I would go somewhere, so I had a phone, I would take my mom's cell phone. So I didn't have one, but I kind of did. And I think I ended up taking that phone to college too. <laughs> um, so I was definitely in this time frame, And this is right mm-hmm. about then uh, as far as chronology as well. So it makes sense. Yeah. But it's just funny. Everything is funny nowadays. Every old Other old references. Movie. Yeah. Well, and the, the funny thing too is we mentioned this before about his necessity for all of the uh, pay phones. And it's funny because... Um, now they're such they're a laughable kind of uh they you it it's not as much of a a plot device a reasonable well, I, plot device in today's world. I think I mentioned it last time, but I, I went nine days mm-hmm, without you a did phone. mention yeah it was the weirdest experience. I loved it. I'm very glad to be back with a phone in the <laughs> land of the communicative people again, but it's just such a different world mm-hmm. than it used to be and so many of these um plots would just be so different because you could just text the yeah. kid and like, oh yeah no i'm here <laughs> yeah so, so much of the what now is false conflict you really can't do i mean it, it totally fits it works in this time frame in this scenario mm-hmm. it's just funny looking back at it it's just not it, the it, world not the, the world we the live. world has changed so significantly Absolutely. We just, that's a total tangent that we could discuss for hours. I mean, we saw it when he went to the uh, airport. We we kind of touched on it there as well. Yeah. It's great though. I appreciate it immensely. The last season of Buffy, she gives Dawn a cell phone. I think she calls it a weapon. Hmm. She says, I'm going to give you a weapon. I can't remember the quote, but I'm pretty sure she's like, I'm going to give you a weapon. She gives it a cell phone. Um, That's funny. They also invented the word, the term Google on Buffy. Or, oh, really? There was the first major, like the first time it was said on television and really the public lexicon is like from, as a, as a, as a verb, as a verb. Yeah. Nice. Google it. For all his faults of which there are many, mm-hmm. the dude could write some dialogue. Yes, he could. Probably still. Yes. I, would, but... I wouldn't know. I actually did try to watch the first episode of uh, what's that one that he stepped away from? I don't know. On HBO. It got canceled like halfway through the second season. or Something, I don't... something, something like that. Um, it's about like superhero women in like uh, Victorian. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Is that Victorian era? Yes. I just can't remember what it's called. Yeah. No. Good. <laughs> that way we're not plugging it officially. He still gets money from it. I think. Um, Either way. Because I think I, I've watched part of it too. And I only would watch I only watched it because he stepped away from it. Yeah. I, I tried to watch the first couple episodes. Didn't really get into it. Maybe I'll give it a try eventually. Who knows? I don't like new things. There's a reason why I'm doing the podcast on a book Weird. series I've read over Weird. and over for a decade. You don't like new things? That shocks me, Joshy. Maybe I do have a lot more in common with Harry. <laughs> He gets Burger King. I get my three egg rolls at Jack in the Box. Oh, goodness. So, 
So he heads over to the carpenter's house to try to track down a second. It's interesting because nobody's there and they have a billion kids and he's just confused more than anything. Um, there's no cars. He said, maybe they went to McDonald's or church. <laughs> Do they have church at three in the afternoon? <laughs> I love that. So he was going to leave Michael a note, but he ends up climbing into the luxury tree house that they built in the backyard. Very safe, though. There's guardrails anywhere you can imagine falling from. I mean, can you imagine Charity letting one of her oh children play on something without safety rails? They I probably have to wear helmets and, helmets and knee pads when they go up that ladder. And uh, guide wires. <laughs> <laughs> he, he climbs up there, and obviously, because this is how things work always, the noise that he hears is coming right up there with him. <laughs> So there's no there's nowhere to go. So he pay, points his blasting rod at the opening and he sees a girl climbing up and he pulls it away and she says, oh, is that an acetylene torch or something? Love that. It's interesting because what do the kids? They obviously know Harry, right? Because she knows mm -hmm. him well enough to have this kind of casual chat. Yeah. And like we said last week, have weird shit with him on the phone. Very but weird. What? What do they know about him? I was thinking that too. I, I'm very curious. It's like, what's the story here? What's the story the parents have told the children? Because I can't imagine Charity lying. No. So I mean, she is, has a, a moral code for all her faults. Yes. But I, I'm, I'm assuming it's just someone who works with your dad and is maybe as, as bad as the creatures they, fi they fight, you know, something along those but lines. But do they know about, like, because she didn't know that it was a blasting rod. She didn't know, like, do they know that their dad fights bad guys? Like, oh, that's a good, that's a good point. How much do they know about their dad? Because he to them he's a contractor. Yeah, I mean, they have to know. I, I can't imagine because he goes away a lot. I mean, they had to have seen the big sword. He certainly has okay. to stay in shape to do the. You know, you're not you're not but taking if, down Ursiel off the couch. You know, no. But I mean, if he's a contractor, he could go away to do jobs. He could, he has to be in shape and have, you know, be strong. To clarify, he's a carpenter. Yes, but they, they talk about his contracting. Yeah, no, fair enough. I just, yeah. it, not just a clever name. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Shitty Beatles. But it was just, you know, I mean, it makes you wonder. Yeah, no, that, I didn't even think of that. I didn't, you made it sound so logical to jump from one half of that to the other. And I just slammed <laughs> my head right into the, that semicolon. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I wonder what they they know. But they, I think yeah. they have to know something because it's something that well, she, we learned that she does. Of. Molly does because she mentions the vampire stuff. Oh yeah, but she overheard it. So how much? Did, was yeah, she that, and that's the hear? thing. She she had in order to learn that she had to eavesdrop. Interesting. I overthink things like nobody. Oh no, business. that's great! It's I got halfway there. Ridiculousness. <laughs> It's just like the other thing we, we had earlier where you got halfway and I, I, I finished the relay and you did the same thing here. It's great. I love it. But yeah, I mean, it's just that, you know, those, the, those are the thoughts that go through my head. Like, how much do they really know? How much does charity allow them to know? Very interesting. Because, you know, in later in this chapter, he talks about how charity wouldn't let her kids be at home by themselves. Do you really think that she would let them have knowledge of this? Well, I feel like ills because of the world? My because of Michael's position, there's a potential for enemies. I think the kids have to know 
have some idea. Right. They have to have be clued in at least a little bit so they know what to look for and how to be safe. It's the, the whole other kind of stranger danger. <laughs> exactly. Very strange types of danger. Very strange. Um, so I mentioned last week that like that the breast fairy line was atrocious, but like maybe you could make it make sense if you later in the novel or something like no. that. I, again, I, I don't no. think you could, but when you're trying, like if she's just trying to make him feel uncomfortable, that's the only way it would make sense. And, but here but, she's totally making him feel uncomfortable intentionally. Ex- exactly. That's what I'm saying is this conversation does kind of soften that blow, but not yeah. enough. I mean, I knew this conversation was coming and I hated it last week, right? It's not enough, but it, if you had, like I said, if you had plucked that conversation and moved it deeper into the novel, you might've been able to get away with it and it wouldn't have popped so atrociously. Yeah. But cause this right here, like they clearly have some knowledge of each other. Although he had, remember before grave peril, he hadn't seen charity for five years. Really? Remember when she's bailing him out of jail? He's like, how long has it been? Maybe it's three, four years, something like that. It had been an extended period, though. You're but, right. But years, right? So, and Molly is, what'd she say, 13, 14? And he said, the, he, the last time he saw her, she was 10. She's 14. So there you go. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, he, Charity doesn't have to be around for him to see her, right? Like, he, yeah. he's been working with Michael. Um, so again, they have a relationship that is friendly. And she does, you know, make him feel uncomfortable because making people feel uncomfortable is funny sometimes. If you're up Especially in a- to... To 14 year old girls up in a luxury tree house. Come on. Why wouldn't pretty sweet um, tree house? Not going to lie, but it's a good conversation when she sees this, the handcuffs and says, Ooh, are you on? The, hey, neat. Are you on the lamb? Is that why you're hiding <laughs> in a tree house? The cops don't find you. Oh, she's adorable. I love and then, her. And then jumps to, Oh, wisely. Those are fun time handcuffs. Not bad time handcuffs. Gotcha. <laughs> See, I mean, this is similar to that, and it's—I don't—it doesn't feel nearly as gross. No, I mean, it's, especially because she's the one you know doing it, and I know she mm-hmm. was in the last one too. But it, this is a more natural flow of a conversation. And I think it's also we—this isn't our first encounter with her. Part of the reason that was so uncomfortable was like this is our first encounter with this little girl. But say that conversation didn't happen because we thought it was very yikesy. What if this was the first conversation? I don't know. That's a very good question. It definitely would have been better for sure because they're oh, yeah. in person. And like, I can just see Harry cringing and like, I can see her like loving that that is happening, you know, and like just Thinking bleep, 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 bleep. Um, hilarious. Exactly. And you know, it is kind of funny. So, um, um, she asked about Susan. She overheard her parents talking about it, how she got turned partly into a vampire and she's, can't be around him anymore because she might kill him. And she comes up with a great idea to. Yeah. Tie her appropriate up. for her. <laughs> well, again, she's up in this treehouse so she can change out of her weird slutty clothes. Yeah. Not slut shaming, just describing. So that her mom doesn't see her when she walks in the house. Yes. Looking the way that she chooses to look. Well, uh, I mean, so- the other thing that this scene made me think about. Is the school bus scene from Girls Just Want to Have Fun? Mm-hmm. When Helen Hunt has the Velcro and like she's taking her, changing her outfit from the schoolgirl outfit to go to the dance TV audition. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's this is totally what was in my head when she was doing this. That's but just, I mean, this I mean, does this does. I don't think it reframes it again. I don't like last week at all. But it 
no, that you was can odd. see that she's trying to be like, oh, you know, trying to be mature via being over, you know, overly yes. laying into the sex. Which, when you're young, you think, you think that is a, the best way that you, often, you think that's the only thing. That's that one adult. of the ways to be an adult is to be overly inappropriate. Well, just to be set to just that sexuality, mm-hmm. especially coming from a Midwest Catholic home with, with charity yeah. existing, you know, probably not getting the, you know what I mean? Like, is that too judgmental? Maybe I, I went to a Catholic school too, um, yes. but yes. you know, I mean, obviously she definitely, ha- there's a, certainly going to be a protected existence. Yeah. And so like sex is to me definitely something that she would you see as rebellious, <laughs> rebellious and a way for her to look, you know, big and mature next to her dad's friend, you know, um, mm-hmm. for sure. So it, it does yeah. sort of make sense. But again, the breast fairy thing is just so weird and it just, yeah. it's too weird to fit even this characterization. I think it's very, it's very uncomfortable. It's more than just weird. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. We had a, I actually, you know, I reached out to the community and said, you know, let me know what you think about this Meryl thing. And, and almost exclusively it was like something like 75% of the, the responses we got were, a, were disagreeing with us. I mean, you, I kind of convinced you that he was not working with Meryl because she was unattractive, but because he just couldn't at that time, he couldn't add it to his plate, mm-hmm. which we, we posited was a possibility for sure. Yeah. Um, we just ended up deciding that we didn't ag- agree that that was the result, but it was interesting that a lot of people see it very differently than us. So certainly so, you know, let me know if, if that is the case here. I mean, are we misreading the situation? I, I, I make mistakes once or twice. So. I mean, I do though think I very much think that it is an example of a young girl trying to seem older trying to be cool. Um, very much. So I very much think that that's, um, Oh yeah. hundred percent. This is her being, um, being a big girl trying to be older and seem more, uh, cosmopolitan. cosmopolitan. That's a movie reference. I can't think of what movie it, it reference it is, but somebody who's, says, cosmopolitan. who's the atrocious goblin who was doing the uh, border policy? In the last administration, Stephen Miller. Yes. Yeah. He used that word to describe his dissenters, basically. But cosmopolitan? Cosmopolitan to describe. Because that's bad. Being cosmopolitan is bad. Woke city folk, basically. They're gone. Um, Stephen Miller is not a good guy. (laughs) This is the Stephen Miller hate hate podcast. (laughs) Yes. That is the right name. Yes, it is. I believe it is. Um, well, and then one of the morons in the one, one of the government houses wants to send a nuclear submarine to rescue those multi-billionaires that were in the sub trying to look at the Titanic. Well, I mean, if we have the ability to save people, we should save. People. Well, no, but the, the, the Canadian Coast Guard already has sent out three ships. Oh, shit. Yeah, we don't need two two ships. Sorry, two ships. I saw it on the news at the gym today. But I'm like, we don't need to send a nuclear submarine. Well, I mean, most of our submarines are nuclear at this point. Well, yes, but it was just one of those like. That, I mean, I. They, it's it's especially action, action for had, action's sake. A hundred percent. That's what it is. Performative action. if you will. Yes. 
There we go. Just so stupid. Just can't with the stupid. <laughs> so Harry tries to get out of this uncomfortable situation. And then she, as she's changing and talking about sex, um, she, as soon as she get, basically, as soon as they get out of the treehouse, the van pulls up the sand crawler, as Molly puts it, <laughs> pulls up, gets all the, lets all the Jawas out and charity makes him help bring the groceries in as he which, should. He should. Why, why are you not going to bring the groceries in? Like you're going to walk with Michael talking as he brings groceries. Like doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Molly comes up wearing normal 14 year old girl whose charity would approve of attire and helps get the kids out. And we meet Amanda who is five and a half. And my daddy says, I'm a princess. <laughs> he says, I'm Harry, your highness. There's already a Harry. You can be Bill. <laughs> and she skips in the house. I love it. I really do. It really is. I really, you can, I know families like this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it really is very natural and oh, he does yeah. a great job of this. So it's probably, it's probably a family he knew growing up. Yeah. Oh, oh has to be right. Um, I would imagine. I don't know. It's definitely a you know, stylized, perfect version of it. Um, but it would be really cool if one of his friend's dad was a knight. So yeah. uh, he, see, he, he gets to see uh, a boy who's not yet two years old, little Harry. And Shiro says, yes, Bill. <laughs> Which I love that. Just one line that's like, one, I, I don't, can't really be quote of the week, but it's my favorite quote so far in this novel, I think. Mm -hmm. and charity charity takes every opportunity possible to yell at dresden to bring ice cream in because an extra 12 seconds will of course make sure that the kids will go hungry and starve <laughs> so they head inside and you can see this is a routine charity fills up a bottle molly takes it and takes care of them again you're learning about show don't tell right we learn a lot about how the family works and operates he says she tells, uh, she rather, she tells Harry that she hasn't spoken to Michael and apparently he and Sonia shipped out to St. Louis. There was some Denarian activity. Why Shiro stayed behind. I don't I'm curious know. about. Well, I guess because we know there's Denarians in Chicago and maybe they think it's a feint. Maybe. That makes sense. I guess I talked myself into it. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he looks at the clock and says, Christ. And Charity gives him a, a, a dirty look. Did we mention the, when he says hell in the first chunk? I think so. Okay, I hope so. If we didn't, I apologize to every listener. Individually. And then he says, heck. <laughs> he looks at Michael and says, heck. Darn me to heck, yes. Yes, that's <laughs> what, we did talk about that. And Shiro asks Charity if Michael would help him. And I guess now this is actually my favorite. Charity says, my husband is sometimes an idiot. <laughs> Again, I don't like charity. I don't think very many people like charity. We're not supposed to like charity. This is a, a very likable moment. She does the right thing. She's honest. Her husband would help him. So Shiro steps in and will help him. I think and she I is. It's not that I don't like her. 
But because I think that she loves her family, she loves her husband, and she's a good God-fearing woman, and she's not like one of those. She doesn't seem to be Christian just for the title. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. It's not performative. It, it's who she is, and that's why yeah. she, she even says that. Like, it, yeah, I, where we I'm not, learn. Yeah, I'm not going to break down my moral code. I'm not going to not be the person I want me to be for you. Yeah. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Like for you, which is a great mentality. Like fuck the haters. <laughs> yeah. like you're, you, you don't need to like, you're not, you're going to, the people you like the least are the people you're going to worry about. Like that doesn't make any sense. So yeah. I really do like that characterization for sure. Um, and there's a great exchange where I've realized as I edit these things that I say, there's a great exchange and mm -hmm. I like that characterization a lot. So drink. <laughs> but I, I mean, but the thing is, is like we do discuss characterizations. We do discuss school world building. We do discuss certain like the way things are um, termed. But have you noticed we've not spoken about names once this week, and we talked about it for like seventeen years last week? Hasn't come up yet. Give it, it time. <laughs> I thought that was funny though. Last week was all about names and word usage, and this is all about people and characters, and I love that. Mm -hmm. And. Harry tells Shiro, you don't need to take any chances. You don't know me. And Shiro says, Michael does. That's enough for me. Again, we, we learned so much about he and him and Charity's, his and Charity's code, basically, in very little. Mm -hmm. the, the show don't tell is on fire in this uh, section. Yes. So Harry doesn't want to drag an old man into his troubles, but he has to. He, he needs yeah. someone. He says, I just don't want to drag someone else into more trouble with me. And Charity says, let me think, where have I heard that before? <laughs> <sighs> I, I do respect her. I don't like her. How's that? There you go. She tells Harry that, you know, as she's cooking dinner and, you know, they actually have kind of a conversation and she tells Harry that he's been hurt three times. Harry says three. She says three. With you. Every time. And we learn a lot about why she's so antagonistic in these next couple lines where Harry says, so it's my fault. And she says, it isn't about blame or whose fault it is. What matters is that when you're around, my husband, my children's father gets hurt. Which is great. I like great, obviously, but it's terrible. But that, that is the reason why she doesn't just hate Harry because she, she's a jerk or she doesn't like the way he, you know, that he cusses sometimes mm -hmm. it's, she hates what it means for her children. And like, I, I respect that. I don't love it, but I, it's, I respect it. And that, that's real. You know, that, that people make choices like that for that exact scenario, obviously less life and death usually, but, um, yeah, I, when I was a young coach, I used to get all fussy when kids would switch teams, you know, happens to kids switch to our team switch away from that's that's youth sports nowadays right mm -hmm. but as i've gotten older it's like how can you be upset with a family doing what they think is best for their kid yeah you, you can think they're wrong but how can you be upset at that? now if they talk shit on the way out or something like that's a different story but yeah like if a, a family like james gives me my boss gives me crap all the time for like being friendly with parents of kids that i used to coach i'm not like best buddies or anything but i I'm not going to like ignore them. You know, like I, we, we shared years together. I talked, I, I spent a lot of time with your kid and like, 
I still like your kid. I think you did the wrong thing, but I respect the hell out of you for doing it. You're, you're, you know, I, I can't, I can't not respect you doing what you think is best for your family. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense not to. So and during this conversation, he cuts his hand and charity is so helpful to help him out. And he said, I hear they make disinfectants that don't hurt these days, <laughs> but charity used iodine. Which is, but it's all the other thing about iodine though, is it's super old school. And charity is just old school. Yes, a bottle. She probably got like a gigantic gallon of it at Costco one day. And exactly. It's like Grandma Lois with McCurchrome. I don't know what that means. I know what Grandma Lois means. McCurchrome? <laughs> the, the red stuff she'd put on your, your boo-boos when you were little? Oh, I have no idea. I, I don't even know what it was. I just remember it was called. Now I need to Google it. What is McCurchrome? I don't know how to spell it. A mercury-free first aid antiseptic to help skin infection and minor cuts and scrapes. Oh, and it was banned by the FDA. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. <laughs> and old Mercurochrome had mercury in it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to look that up. Okay. But it's, you know, using iodine is very old school. Um, okay, so Chiro comes out of the office having made his phone call. And says we meet them tonight at eight. Uh, and it's obviously after sundown because we are, you know, meeting a, a red court warlord vampire. And so he heads out the door and more kids come pelting into the house as he leaves two boys and a girl. And so we have Molly, Amanda, Harry, the little hope. And these three kids. So we're at seven. I was doing a total, doing a, a tally of the kids, of the uh, carpenter kids in my head. Okay. Um, <laughs> am I right? Are we at seven? <laughs> Sounds about right. All right. Uh, so he, you know, he drives home and um, he said he has too much to think about. This duel with Ortega was something I had no way to prepare for. Ortega was a warlord of the Red Court. He'd probably fought duels before, which meant he'd killed people before. Hell. Maybe even wizards. I'd squared off against various toughs, but that had been free-for-all fighting. I had been able to find ways to cheat, by and large. In a one-on-one -on -one duel, I wasn't going to be able to fall back on cleverness to take advantage of whatever I could find in my environment. This was going to be a straight fight. And if Ortega was better than me, he'd kill me. Simple as that. The fear was simple too. Simple and undeniable. So he gets back to his apartment and the door is halfway open and Murphy is there. And he can, he reminds us that he gave Murphy a talisman that would allow her through her defenses and it would only work for her. So he knew it was her, though he was a little cautious heading in reasonably. <laughs> she says, we should talk. People keep saying that to me. You promised you'd <laughs> call me in when you had something. Whoa there. Who said I had anything? There is a corpse on a pleasure ship in Burnham Harbor and several eyewitnesses who describe a tall, dark-haired man leaving the scene and getting into a multicolored multi Volkswagen Beetle. Wait a second. There's been a murder, Dresden. I don't care how sacred client confidentiality is to you. People are dying. I was going to tell you about it. It's been a really busy day. Too busy to talk to the police about a murder you may have witnessed? That is considered aiding and abetting a first-degree murder in some places, like courts of law. 
this again. I remember how this one goes. You slug me in a jar and arrest me. I damn well should. Hell's bells, Murph. Relax. If that was what I had in mind, you'd be in the car already. Then we learned that Murphy got taken off the case. Murphy's on vacation because someone, Rudolph, is a weasel and uh, got her in trouble, basically. And they said that she could either be on vacation or be collecting unemployment. And we learned a little bit about, a little more about um, the division. And th- we also learned that he slept with the wrong congressman's daughter, not congressman, uh, councilman's daughter, which is how he ended up there. And he doesn't believe in anything. He doesn't believe any of the supernatural stuff. And he's a douchebag about it. Which is dumb because we know Rudy has seen some of this stuff. He's just that much of an asshole. So carry on. And so she hands him a piece of paper. He, f- first he asks, did you get the information on that cell phone? No, she said. But as she said it, she passed me a folded piece of paper. I unfolded it with my fingers and read Murphy's printing. Quebec National Inc. Owner. No phone, num- no phone number. Address a PO, de- PO box. Dead end. Dummy company, probably, I thought. The church mice could have, had its he- the church mice could have it set up to do a lot of bu- buying and selling for them. Maybe dead Gaston had been from Quebec instead of France. Got it. Thanks, Murph. I don't know what you're talking about. There's no APB out for you yet, Harry, but I'd be discreet if you were. Discreet. That's me. I'm serious. Serious. Yep. Damn it, Harry. But she smiled when she said it. You probably don't want me to call you if I need you. Hell no. That would be illegal. Keep your nose clean. Walk the straight and narrow. Okay. I don't think I've seen you without that, without that coat outside of summer. Where's your duster? Missing in action? Oh, you talked to Susan? Yeah. I felt Murphy's eyes on my face. She got it without being told. Oh. Sorry, Harry. Thanks. See you. And she left. And that's when we learn a little bit about every cop that had there, that landed there, had some kind of failing. And everyone else considered it a cruddy assignment. It had, by and large, created a song, strong sense of camaraderie among the SI officers, a bond only made tighter by the way they occasionally faced off with one occasionally faced off with one kind of nightmarish creature or another. SI cops had taken down several half, half-assed dark spell slingers, half a dozen vampires, seven or eight ravening trolls, and a demon that had manifested itself out of a mound of compost-heated garbage behind a pawn shop in Chinatown. SI could handle itself pretty well because they played careful. They worked together and they understood that there were sometimes unnatural beings, sorry, and understood that there were unnatural beings that sometimes had to be dealt with in ways not strictly in accordance with police procedure. Oh, and because they had a higher wizard to advise them about bad guys, of course. I like to think I contributed to that. But I guess every bucket of fruit has something go rotten sooner or later. In SI, the sneaker was Detective Rudolph. Rudy was young, good-looking, clean-cut, and had slept with the wrong councilman's daughter. He had applied some industrial-strength denial to his experiences with SI freak encounters with monsters, magic, and human kindness. He had clung to a steadfast belief that everything was normal and the realm of the paranormal was all make-believe. I have a feeling that Rudy's going to bite us in the ass again. He's already done it once. He'll probably do it again. If the kid had sabotaged Murphy's investigation in order to curry favor with the folks in Homicide, maybe he was angling to get out of SI. And maybe he'd lose a bunch of teeth the next time he walked through a quiet parking garage. I doubted Murphy would take that kind of backstab with good grace. 
I spent a moment indulging myself in a pleasant fantasy in which Murphy pounded Rudy's head against the door of her office at the SI's home <laughs> building until it, the cheap wood had a Rudolph-shaped dent in it. I enjoyed the thought way too much. <laughs> and he checks on Bob. Bob's still asleep. And then his phone ring, or his, he calls his answering service and has a, a message from Susan, so he calls her back. And she's, he says, you know, he's got a second. And Michael, she said, Shiro, who? He's like Michael, but shorter and older. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> I love that. But she tracked down a little bit of information about the Marriott. And there is a art gala going on at the Marriott downtown. And she says, it seems to be, seems like a good place to sell a hot article or three. And it's all sponsored by the Chicago Historical and Art Society. Who? A very small, small and very elite club for the upper crust. Gentleman Johnny Marcone is chairman of its board of directors. Sounds like a smuggling, con sounds like smuggling country, all right. How do I get in? Then we learn that it's five grand a plate. And, but Susan wheeled and dealed. And she got two tickets uh, for the last assignment for her editor. And she got them formal wear. And of course, because life gala begins at nine. So he's got the meeting with seconds at eight gala begins at nine. No problem. I'm sure. And so he, then he heads out to go pick up Shiro to, I went to pick up my second and work out the terms to a duel. I was increasingly certain I had little chance of surviving. The end of chapters are always great. Not always, but mm -hmm. certainly usually great. But there's definitely like trying. I'm trying to connect them. It's mm -hmm. like a uh, one of those puzzles where you you get all the pieces and you you have to figure it out as you go. Yeah. But it's it's different this novel. It is very much so. Almost as though <laughs> the incidences that he's involved in are much more serious. Yeah, maybe that's it. I I, I can't put my finger on it yet, and I certainly don't want to disagree with you but it it's interesting it's certainly it's notable and i don't know what the note is yet <laughs> i gotcha uh, but they're definitely a different style than past novels mm -hmm. and i wonder how that progresses for sure so he puts on a so i actually <laughs> want to reference one of the emails i got we've we've actually touched on this that it's like a running joke now where every the cover of every novel the artist draws harry with a hat mm -hmm. and the idea was it makes it really clear you know you got the noir detective and then you got the wizard staff and that's kind of like you're trying to tell a story with the picture which is great and fine but harry doesn't wear hats almost no. ever and he talks about how he hates them and it's now like i said now it's kind of a joke um an in joke with everybody um that he's always wearing a hat in the pictures, but he never is in the in the books. And was it Isa? Who was it? Let me make sure I credit where credit's due. Eliza. Eliza, sorry. Who uh, pointed out he was wearing a black ball cap to the fight with the fairies. He never wears hats. He no, he doesn't. He, he wore black. What do you wear to a war? He wore black. But he, he wore a black ball cap. That's funny. I Just an interesting connection that Eli one of our readers, our readers, one of our listeners, Eliza, made. We appreciate that. 
uh, yeah. in the site. And it's interesting because that's the only time I can remember until there's a scene in changes where he mentions that he doesn't wear hats, but that's, that's it. Yeah. Um, he doesn't. He just doesn't. It's funny. Also. Now the reason I bring that up is he's not wearing his duster. Yes. Murphy, Murphy mentioned it. We know why, but it's still off putting for him to describe putting on an old fleece lined denim jacket. So weird. The old Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> he goes by his office to pick up the threads from father Vincent. Obviously, because he looks like he does, um, hasn't slept in a year and a half, and he's a big, ragged guy. Smells like fish and blood, probably. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. He gets a little bit of crap from the guard, but not a lot. He ends up getting his uh, threads he from the shower. shower. There you go, right? He took a cold shower. He put in, he put in some effort, okay? He's got, obviously going to use those for a tracking spell. I like that comparison he, he says where it's, it's a metal detector rather than a radar dish, right? It'll point you in the right direction, but it's not usually going to get you. Certainly not going to give you the G, the turn by turn. Yeah. Driving cord. It's going to point you in the right direction. As we've seen all tracking spells in the past. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I still love the one where he, he smells the guy back in Stormfront. Cause it's very different than any other spell. Oh yeah. Unique and, and interesting. So he and Shiro head on over to the accorded neutral territory. We'll get there. And they're chit-chatting as they go. And, and Harry asks if you've done one of those, these duels before. And Shiro says, hi, many times. Why? Many reasons. Protect someone, force someone to leave an area in peace, fight without involving others to the death. Many times. Guess you're pretty good at it then. Always someone better. You ever duel the vampire? Yeah, Jade Court, Black Court. So first we've learned of the Jade Court, which is a fun new new lore. They're um, Southeast Asia, China, Japan. They haven't really been heard of, heard of so far. We know the Black Court are the Mavra and Dracula style vampires that we know from other lore. The red court are obviously the weird guys, the white court. We don't know a ton about yet either, but we might find out in a second. Mm -hmm. And Shiro also tells him that he's dueled Denarians twice, Mm -hmm. but they don't honor their agreements. So whereas the Jade court, he said, you know, they, they honor the accord. So if there's a duel and the loser loses, we respect what happened and we, we take it as gospel basically. Whereas the Denarians say, fuck off. So, well, and it, and it's separates them from the Fae as well. How so? Cause everybody, all of the fairies and all of the fairy creatures, everybody in Fae, if they, they can't lie. Oh yeah. So that it, it makes an even stronger separation. Yeah, no, they're definitely apart. And I think that's, that's one of the, the big, you know, why we got uh, Michael, last or two weeks ago, rather when he was so scared for Harry. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really supposed to show like, this isn't the guys you've seen before. Like this isn't going to fit in a neat little bow. It, it's yeah. going to be some shit. And to have uh, Shiro confirm that is great. I really and, do appreciate it immensely. Yeah, no, it's definitely really interesting. Consistency It's different characters saying it in different ways, but it's the same thing. Um, very, very good. Good catch. Ice. Um, 
Just Shiro, random observations. We love your brain around here. Shiro <laughs> tells him that there's a better option than energy, not fighting. We, you can just quit. Reasonable. Yeah, I mean, and, and I like that the guy who has lots of experience in duels is the one saying you don't need to duel. Again, I, I touched on it. I said he, he's an old, bold knight, and there aren't very many of those. Mm-hmm. Um, he's clearly a badass, and we're learning more and more about that. And it's you know, it's the archetype, the Pat Morito, uh, Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi, you know, like the calm, composed Asian, uh, diminutive badass. You know, it's and it's that's fine. Probably not great. Um, not life altering, I don't think. And you know, whatever. It's a trope for sure. But we're definitely learning that Shiro's a badass, and, and mm-hmm. he doesn't need to say it. I mean, here he does say it, but just by knowing what we know, he doesn't have to like puff up his chest and preen like a peacock. Very he, true. He is that quiet strength that the the real badass. The guys that are really going to beat the shit out of you in a fight aren't the ones who walk around looking for a fight. <laughs> that's yeah. just, that's aren't the just, ones telling you they're going to yeah. beat you up in a fight. Yeah. The, 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 quiet, the quiet guys that will fight you are the ones to be worried about. Yes. It, it, and this is a, a, a good archetype there. So they head to McAnally's pub. Tavern. Tavern. He specifies that it's not a pub, it's, it's a tavern. I've called it a pub before. McAnally's is a tavern, not a bar, not a pub, but an actual old world style tavern. Oh, no, I know. I'm, I'm looking at the text here, but I thought he called it either way. I think of it as a pub. What? Tavern. I don't even know what a tavern is. Uh, one, of my, one of our uh, English listeners who actually got passed up last week, more Colombian downloads than, than uh, United Kingdom, <laughs> which is outstanding. I, can't, I can barely understand my, myself, and I've grown up with this language, so I'm proud of you guys. Um but uh, yeah, no, we, we love that. There's a competition now, though, for the uh, <laughs> Canada's down to fourth. Like, I don't even know what's happening up, up north of the wall, guys. You got to get it together. But <laughs> Col- Colombia coming through, and that's really cool. But it's uh, really neat. Some, somebody in England has got to tell me the, what a tavern is compared to a pub. Because I, in my mind, they're the exact I don't think, same. Oh, let me Google it. It's less fun. So <laughs> I don't think just, taverns are an English thing, though. Pubs think, are. I know what a pub is, but that's why I figured they'd know what it, what a tavern is. I don't freaking know. Who knows? Either way, he well, describes the place. We've just, we've heard the description before. You know, it's 13 of everything. It's it's downstairs. There's fans. There's stools. Pretty uh, low key, which is the best kind of bar. The Golden Tea. Best bar in Carlsbad. The Golden oh, Tea. Definitely not a tavern. Oh, no. That is a dive bar. And all the good. Every letter of that is perfect wonderful <laughs> but there you go there's your carlsbad tourism guide for the day the beach is great the tea is better at night and it's completely empty which is interesting right mm-hmm. because every time we've been to max there, it's been crowded sometimes more than others and you know people playing chess people just shooting the shit murphy cleaning up trash you know um but this time there's nobody there Again, just lending itself to kind of tell more how serious the situation is, right? Mm-hmm. And we see Kincaid again. So I know Lissy was excited. And uh, I loved him. Just a great back and forth where he says, nice to see you too. Where's Ivy? And Kincaid, without skipping a beat, knows who Ivy is and says, past her bedtime. I'm her proxy. 
she believes very strongly in an early bedtime for children. I love that so much. I just, I really just enjoy him. Oh yeah. Like, like the, the hard nosed, uh, soldier of fortune. Mm hmm taking care of this little girl who's also this ridiculous power. Mm-hmm. It's just such a weird, you want to be a fly on the wall. Oh yeah. A lot. A but lot. the fact that he's just so like chill about it. We actually do get a micro fiction of just them. Oh, fun. He calls it the, they're like two pages, three, five pages, stuff like they're not quite short stories. Mm-hmm. And he releases them every so often on his website. We'll, we'll come to that in many, many years, but uh, it is a, one of the good ones for sure. They're all good. That's one of the good ones. And Ortega comes in wearing a ridiculous vampire-like outfit, a silk shirt, a uh, silk white shirt, and a suit. Doesn't need a coat, obviously, even though it's freezing outside. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thomas Wraith, speaking of the white court, is the... See how I did that there? Huh? Uh-huh. Huh? That's a callback. I planted that seed. I'm like Butcher, right? Exactly. Thanks, Liz. And uh, he's wearing an even more ridiculous vampire outfit. White leather pants and a black fishnet shirt, because why, mm-hmm. would, why wouldn't he? Like that he says, Even in Harry, what happened to your duster? There was a woman. <laughs> oh, geez. They have a back and forth about fashion, as you would with any white court vampire. Of course. And Kincaid has to bring, bring the party back. Pretty straightforward. Harry and Ortega are going to chat while the seconds and Kincaid sort out the specifics. And I really like this conversation. Mm-hmm. Again, so many of these, I keep saying like, this is Harry in a nutshell, but it's just great where or- Ortega get orders uh, or gets a beer from Mac. And Harry says, I-, I thought you guys drank blood. It's all we really need. Then why do you have anything else? Life is more than mere survival. All you need is the water. After all, why drink beer? You ever taste the water in this town? <laughs> Tap water is actually fine and great in most places. Certainly in some places it's all in, in most places. It's great. I can't speak for Chicago or Flint, Michigan, but for a lot of places, it's actually fine. But I digress again. Shocking. You digress. And Harry said, I don't want this. And Ortega says, neither do I. This isn't personal. Harry says, so why do it? We could both walk. And the war would go on. You know, it's, it's mostly been pretty low-key. Not quite a cold war, but really not a ton happening. Mm-hmm. But Ortega you know, lays it out. He's, it can get worse. It can get a great deal worse. It'll threaten the balance of power throughout the worlds of flesh and spirit alike. You know, again, Harry, we read the exact quote earlier in this pod when Harry decided the war was what we were going to do. Obviously he wasn't thinking of that, you know, the it's going to shake up the entire existence of everything. Yeah. I don't think it would have changed his mind, but I, I like yeah. that Ortega kind of puts it into perspective here that Harry we're in his brain and he hasn't really thought about, you know, we saw how dangerous it was for these big powers to get out of balance. Lost yeah. all. And this could be something like that. We already know that the beat last novel was about getting the fairy courts to be involved tangentially, at least in the war. Right. So it, it really could get to a point where is no bueno. 
Um, it, it's and, true. It's true. And it could be something that could last years and years and years. And yeah, I mean, wizards live a long time and vampires live forever. <laughs> so yeah, vampires live longer. And Ortega, you know, he's telling that you started this war by killing a noble. And Harry says, the only reason I didn't say your reasons were not valid. You know, again, like that's important, you know, like giving the grace there, right? Like, yeah, you had a good reason. Yeah. But definitionally, you were a guest. And you killed Bianca in her own home. Again, Ortega, I don't hate Ortega. I don't necessarily love him. Kind of, I don't love charity, but you get his commitment to the cause so far here, assuming he's being genuine, is interesting. Interesting is a good word for it. Yeah, well, it's a side that you don't see when wizard's good, vampire bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, um, there's a line in the, the uh, sprawl mm-hmm. of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Where it says, there are heroes on both sides of the war. Mm-hmm. And you don't, get any of that in the films. <laughs> like that's a weird, it, it, it's a weird sentence. It's a weird line to be in, in this open yeah, sprawl no, Star Wars it. movie where you get a little bit more of that in Clone Wars, but it's just, it's interesting, but ev- you know, everyone has their reasons and it's very rarely just bad guy. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Well, like, we were talking about that earlier that, you know, there is no real black and white. There's, it's all shades of gray. Well, it was black, white, and red. That. And, and now Jade. Tipping waiters. So Ortega does give him an out. He says, all right, you don't want to fight. Join us. Come on down. You can bring Miss Rodriguez. You'll both be my vassals. I think you will find that we are much alike, Dresden. We are just playing for different teams. And we here we find out how they're different. Let me ask you a question. Very well. He lives in a manor. And he has a village, kind of like a feudal system, basically. Mm-hmm. And he supplies them with supplies. He supplies them with supplies. Um, you know, medicine basically helps them function. And they give a little bit of blood and get a little um, narcotic drool. And he feeds a little bit on each, spreads it around. That way nobody dies. It's beneficial for both of us. And the villagers know that. But Harry says... Yeah, they probably do. Do you feed on children? What do you mean? Do you feed on children? It's the safest way. And right there, Dresden can never, I mean, there's nothing, nothing could make Dresden go with him at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Which again, I, 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 I understand Ortega in this scenario. He's a monster who needs to drink blood and he's trying to drink as little from everyone as possible. But obviously it's gross. Like, fuck you, brother. Like, mm-hmm. fuck you. We're not similar. We're not the same. Exactly. And, you know, and he throws the, I thought life was more the mere survival back in his face, which I like. Mm-hmm. But he says, so be it. I will kill you, wizard. Harry said, I'll be outside to no one in particular and stepped out into the late February cold. That way, I'd have an excuse to be trembling. Good. So good. So good. But it also, it's, it's, he's drawing the line in the sand. Oh, absolutely. And we knew that he would. I mean, it's not a shock or a surprise, but 
the fact that he called out Ortega. Yeah, and the, obviously there's no universe where he goes and is a little vampire slave in... Yeah, exactly. Honduras or anything like that, obviously. But I do love that we had this conversation and they broke, they worked through it, you know, kind of similar to him and Susan, right? Where even if you know the end result, it's still good to work through it and like make sure we're doing this for the right reasons and all that. And obviously this is a little bit different, but yeah, uh, just interesting symmetry. Yeah. All right. Um, what are your analysis we went through? <laughs> we always do. Oh yeah, of course. Um, this is like our catch-all at the end here. Mm-hmm. What? First off, what 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 did you think? I liked it. I mean, I I really there was so much that happened, character development wise. Not like we had the you know action in the beginning, um, but mostly we just kind of <laughs> we learned things. We got you know. We had that interaction with Molly. We had the interaction with Charity. Um, and we have Shiro as our second, which is that one I did not see coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, I loved it. And again, I loved that in how we got to that. Yeah. It, so, it made sense. It fit the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, Charity doing Dresden is solid because that's what she does. She does the yeah. right thing. She's I just honest. I liked every part of it. Mm-hmm. Same. There was one part in particular that I really wanted to get your thoughts on. Oh, we, when we touched on it, but when we touched on it, we talked about it for a while, but uh, Deirdre, the yes. Denarian, very, very different experience to Ursiel. Yes, very much so. Any thoughts? Beyond, I mean, we, um, I know we t- touched on it, but I just wanted... We talked about Denarians it. Are, Denarians are very different from any... And you, you just said it, right? Like They're very different from any antagonist we've had so far and it i just want to i want i want rules are different for them exactly and well because the thing too is they're they're not they're not fully supernatural they're also they have a human element to them which we learned because you know they basically have possessed this person well so did the werewolves at least you know i'm just thinking back to this the soul gazes he had they were yeah. certain. It was very similar in that they're letting a different power kind of take over. Yeah, but um, this still feels different for sure. It and does. I don't. Again, I don't know how to put my finger on exactly how or why, but it does feel different. It feels bigger. That's a great way to describe. Yeah, I mean, which again, they're not Jamokes running. You know, having weird dog sex in a garage. They're fallen angels. So obviously, they should be bigger, but. It's just like they have a lot of similarities with some of the villains we've seen in the past, but they don't <laughs> also, you know? And I really like the juxtaposition of the like young he 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 teenage girl the without warning coming into the place and immediately destroying someone. Mm-hmm. Um, just great storytelling and also terrifying and awful and sad and miserable. So, all right. Um, it's just an interesting group. And as we get through this, we'll meet a couple more of them and we'll learn a little bit and we'll certainly have more to discuss on that front. Um, yeah. Do you have any questions or anything about what's going on? I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, it's making sense as we go. 
a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I'm trying to like make it make sense. We, the chapters go long when we just talk about them, but I, it's so much more natural to talk about it when it comes up. Yeah, you know? I agree. Um, but yeah, the Deirdre in particular is one that I, I, I thought maybe you'd want to circle back on just because it's so, well, we've had a lot of that and you touched on it before, right? How incongruous so much of this novel is. So many of the characters yeah. are different than they seem or their, their face is different than what you'd expect for what they are. And so she definitely fits in with that as well. Um, which is, which is cool. I just say it's a, a theme that we're not sure if it means anything yet, but it's, it's definitely thematic. It's, it's been present throughout the novel for sure. It's interesting too, though, just kind of how it's used because like they're different. We don't know a lot about them. That's about all we know. <laughs> oh, the Denarians specifically. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we know they're fallen angels. We know that. Yeah, but we don't are, know a lot. That's very, no, very true. Um, which adds to the mystery, and certainly. But it is interesting that um, the other, you know, we know what bad sorcerers are. We know what mm -hmm. werewolves are. We know what to expect when you're facing fairies, for, you know, for most of that lore. But this is kind of new lore which most of the lore we've seen so far has been kind of grabbed from other sources. Yeah. And not to say he hasn't been incredibly creative and wonderful with it. Um, but that might be part of why it feels so different because we don't have any background with these characters. Or this. Type yeah, of that's character. no, that's, that's true. And there's also no real, like we have elements that like little biblical elements and stuff, but we don't have any, Every other lore, bit of lore, come from came from somewhere. We've heard them before. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, even, really the, like, even the it's you know they re relate it to the thirty pieces of silver, but like I don't remember that That's part it. of I don't remember that part of Matthew where he turns into a bear, you know? <laughs> like, right? Where it's possessed by a fallen angel. Yeah, so which is which is a really cool angle and a really creative villain, and it's uh, like I said, they, they do come up as we move forward here mm -hmm. and um, yeah. And I like how different the only two, we, we've only met two of them and they could not be more different. Obviously they're both murderous murderers who murder things, oh, yeah. but they're very, very different, but we know they're, they're both possessing. They're, they're both denarians. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's almost like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it later as we go. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but I, I really do like, how they're portrayed here for sure. Um, you touched on the, the second stuff with Shiro was really interesting and great, but not really all that meaty as far as breaking down. Um, scene with Molly this week done much, much better or not. Yeah. Yeah. Still weird. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird because it's a kid being awkward. Right. I mean, that, I yeah. think that I, I think it was, it, this one was good. The last one didn't feel like that, uh, if that makes any sense to anybody. Um, but kids are awkward sometimes, and she's awkwardly talking about sex with an adult because mm -hmm. she wants to be seen as more mature than she is. She I, wants I, to push his buttons. Yeah, I, I definitely don't have... Well, push his buttons as much, sort of, but also just she wants to be seen as more mature than... A hundred percent. A hundred percent. She is, and that's... So do I, Molly. So do I. <laughs> 
<laughs> I want people to treat me like an adult. Um, but well, yes, well, I, well, I don't want to be treated like an adult. That's very true. I want them to let me choose my own bedtime. Um, yeah, no, I, I just, I, I thought this is how you do what he was trying to do last week. Yeah, that's, that's, that <laughs> like, makes sense, yes. And we've seen that exact same thing with, we talked about how bad some of the stuff in Stormfront was. Uh-huh. And, and it immediately got a lot better. It just, it was a swing yeah, and a miss. It, yeah, it happened quickly too. They got better quickly. Yeah, but you know, they're not all, they're not all perfect. Um, and like you said, you're either, you're either winning or you're learning. So last week he learned and this one is definitely a lot better, I felt like. So um, definitely good stuff. Yes, yes. Um, um, anything about the conversations at Max? No, no, it all kind of, like, it was very straightforward to me. Yeah, I mean, I really like these, you know, don't take my lack of talking, or we talked a lot earlier, but, yeah. but like, our lack of analysis talk here for us not. At the end, yeah, because we anal- analyzed, analyzed it as we went. I think it is analysis. <laughs> um but you know that's. The I, thing hope, where I hope they're not trying to learn English in in Bogota. Oh God! I hope nobody's trying to learn English from us. <laughs> uh, so cool. We also got a Cypriot uh, download, which was really cool this week. I, I love that we're going global. So, um, are we? It is pretty fun. Going global. We've been global for a while now, but the sun never sets on the podcast. Was on fire, and uh, that's really cool that you guys are. It is somehow really finding us, telling your friends, or Heck yeah. giving, a, giving us some ratings and and. I, re- I when I w- was first starting this thing, I was I couldn't download uh, or couldn't find us by searching the podcast. The, the podcast was on fire. It would go to like firefighter podcasts. Oh, how funny. And it, it could have just I don't think it was even because I just reset my phone. So it could still be just because Google knows me now. But I was on Spotify and I searched podcasts on fire and we came up. That's awesome. Uh, which I thought was really cool. It's probably just cookies and metrics and stuff, but I like to think uh, that you guys are, I know that you guys are doing a great job spreading the word and getting us out there because I see the downloads every, every it's week. Exciting. Every week. It's people, really exciting. People intentionally choose to listen to my dumb ass, uh, which is absolutely wonderful. Our um, brilliant asses. Okay? That is true. That's true. Also, I say that as someone who's literally parents pay thousands of dollars for me, <laughs> for their kids to listen to me. So I'm not, they're not, oh, that's I'm, not true. All, that's I'm not all bozo, but, um, no, it is just really cool. And, and we appreciate yeah. you guys a ton and keep it up, keep spreading the word. And it's really fun seeing, you know, people are paying attention to our podcast. And when we get emails and stuff, it's really neat. Yeah. So we appreciate you. And, um, yeah, like I said, this one wasn't, it was really meaty in a lot of ways, but it wasn't kind of the big flowery breakdowns we sometimes mm-hmm. have. Uh, most of our time was spent talking about, I don't even remember what, but there's something not drastic. <laughs> the hour and a half that I have to delete out of this podcast. It's all good. Uh, but I would, I would never want to have a long winded, ridiculous conversation with anyone else. I <laughs> um, so yeah. So. Yikes. Without objection, let's go into yikes. Okay. Um, okay. So. This is the only one I have, and it was just irritating. It was in chapter 13, 
Maybe I'm some kind of Neanderthal for th- Neanderthal for thinking so, but it hurt me. A minute ago, Francisca Garcia had been talking, planning, grieving, breathing, living. She'd been killed by violence, and I couldn't stand the thought of things like that happening to a woman. It wouldn't have been any less wrong had it happened to a man, but in my gut, it wasn't the same. That just... Yeah, I mean, I, that, that is... It's e- ugh, that's, weird. That's, that's hairy. Like, it that is, is I, but it just made me uncomfortable. Oh, no, I'm, I'm okay with it being yikes, because it is yikes. Um, that is just how he always is. No, and, and I know, but it's just, it was, that was my, like... Uh, yeah, well, and, and my real problem is, like, obviously I disagree with that mindset wholeheartedly. One of the things I want most in this world is to get rid of the heptathlon. Um, it's the women version of a decathlon because oh. lady bones can't handle 10 events. Oh, that's gross. Um, well, again, I mean, it's just like, but that is who he posits himself to be. Yeah. And it's again, kind of like charity where it's like, I don't agree, but it, you're consistent. And I, that is true. He is consistent. And really when I really have a problem with that kind of stuff is when he's not that like, you know, for instance, in Stormfront, he's not just chivalrous. He's a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, and like when he, he thinks he's just being like, oh, it's, it's not me who's changed. It's the world that's changed. You know, like, but no, like you're, you're being a douchebag sometimes too. And like when you, he fails to be, there's there's no such thing as positive chivalry really, but like the idea of like, just, I want to be a gentleman. Like I, I, I don't think is in and of itself bad. No, it's not. But it's this where, it, and I mean, this bothered me because it's like, oh, it's it's so bad that a woman died by violence that she oh, partially instigated. Sure, yeah. And that that's what bothers me, where it's just the implication that the weaker sex, and it's like, fuck you, bro. Where, yeah, where they don't get their agency. No. And, and that's, yeah, that's what bothers me. That's been the problem. I don't care about the chivalry shit, whatever. Yeah, and I think that that is, it's easy to like lean on the like he s- says stupid shit, um, but it really is how his actions are that are what certainly get me, and I, I can't imagine it's other than you also. Um, and like when he says one thing, and that, but he is just being a douchebag, he's taking away their agency. Right? You can respect this very women. Much and, does because it's it's the thing is is she's in the situation because of. Her own Francis- action. Because of Francisca Garcia. <laughs> For that sure. was the thing where I'm like, I, I just, it just bothered me. No, I, I, I agree one, one million percent that that was, and that's where the chivalry kind of falls apart, right? Like, like the, the idea of chivalry. Yeah, well, cause it's the old school, old fashioned idea of chivalry where it's, oh, she can't take care of herself. So I have to take care of her. Yeah. And I, I don't have a problem with, People hold, like, I hold doors for- I don't have a problem with that either, but I have a problem- I hold doors for dudes too. (laughs) If you act like I can't hold a door open myself. Yeah, exactly. And and that- Or, you know, or, you know, that it's, it's, it's worse that all these things happen to a woman. Like, it's just, that bothers me. I don't, I hold doors open for people. People can hold doors open for me. I don't care. But it's, it's the- it, uh, like you said, taking away that, 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 uh, agency agency. Yeah. No, I, I think that really is the problem. And, and it, it doesn't always pop. Like, that's the thing like, he's been chivalrous for five novels and we haven't always 
gotten after him for it. It's just the times when it stands out as bullshit. Well, there's chivalry and then there's taking away exactly. that woman's agency. Yeah, no, full stop. But it's that's that's the difference of when it stands out and we hate it. And I, I just want like, you know, there's I, I talk to people of all stripes because I like learning and I, the world exists. Um, and I'm a privileged white dude from Carlsbad. So I you know whatever. Um, I understand what it is, but I, I, like I said last week, like sometimes I, I am picking nits. This isn't that it may sound like that, but it's not. I mean, this is a, mm. a big problem. The very subtle difference between respecting a woman and holding a door for her and whatever, and then needing to take care of her, right? Like yeah. th- those are, those are different. They're similar. They're adjacent, but mm. they're different. And, and that, like toxic masculinity isn't all masculinity. No. And that's something that a lot of people I feel like who disagree with me on a lot of things politically fail to recognize that those are different things. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the mindset. It's, you know, from a female perspective, it's not, I don't care if you want to hold a door open for me or like, you know, buy, buy my sister dinner. I'm sure she'll be okay with it. Or like feel protective of me or whatever. But it's when you take away my independence and my like, like you think that I can't do something because I'm a woman. That's the toxic, independent, that toxic masculinity. When, you know, men who think that just because a woman's nice to them, they want to have sex with them. That's toxic masculinity. And that's the, that's the issue that we have. It's not, oh, but he's just being polite. Is he Come being sweetie, polite? Give me a, or give me a he, smile. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anybody a fucking smile. Um, but that's, that's the thing where it's just, it's worse because she's a woman. She brought this on herself. He didn't have these same feelings about Gaston. So that's, that's just the thing. Yeah. No, and we could absolutely cook for not even days in this part for weeks on this subject. I'm sure. Uh, slamming our heads against the wall, but um, yeah. Be kind, be respectful. I think is kind of a thesis statement of this. You can be a, a real man and also not be misogynist actually the best kind of man i think <laughs> i don't know what the fuck do i know about being a man all right um after that adventure professor um i say as me doing the same thing for an hour and a half on toxic masculinity what uh what do you got for us on your quotes of the week um i have butters sullen monosyllabism a sure sign of seep deprivation Along with no trouble, he said, sleep is God, go worship. I didn't actually like either of those. Butters is in a weird place for me. I like him like 65% of the time. Both of those just felt fake to me. I appreciate it. I enjoyed them. I thought they were. Oh, no, that's, I'm not saying you can't. <laughs> I just, I, I like Butters, clearly. And like I said, I, mean, I was really excited for you to meet him because obviously, for obvious reasons, right? But some of that just, it felt kind of like fake and forced. You didn't, you didn't catch that, get that at all? No, not at all. Interesting. Fair enough. I think it was just a, his kind of personality. Just kind of a weird dude saying weird stuff. That's fair. Dry humor. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then the interaction with Thomas, that outfit you're wearing is trending dangerously, is treading dangerously close to the Elvis zone. Young, sleek Elvis ain't bad, Thomas said. I mean, old fat Elvis, possibly Michael Jackson. <laughs> That's why I didn't read that one because I assumed it was going to come back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I have, oh, oh there's my light falling. I don't know how that fell. <laughs> I got two. One is, I wouldn't sleep in the same room with a person who would smack Mickey Mouse, which I just liked. Mm-hmm. And then Molly shrugged, sort of, as much as she ever would. She used words like fornication and sin and infantile depravity and moral <laughs> bankruptcy. So are you morally bankrupt? <laughs> a hot item with Susan. I just like that change. <laughs> Again, it was a really, the same idea as last week, but just like black, like night and day. So, um, much improved. I'm a coach. I just like improvement. Get a little bit better each day. Beyond that, you got us a crackpot theory this week, guys. I just have confirmation that Marconi's doing some shit. If he's trying to get the shroud, what else has he got going? Yeah, no, that was interesting. We didn't even talk about that. Um, we knew, obviously, he was involved because he's been adjacent to this story and his, uh, where Cujo goes, Marconi is thinking. Mm-hmm. But um, that is interesting, right? Because we know nothing. Of the, he just showed up. He his name was just mentioned. He knew a little bit in Stormfront, right? He knew to, to get the soul gaze. He knew that there was a sorcerer. He knew about the hair, right? So, like, he was clued in a little bit. So this isn't, like, completely out of left field. Mm-hmm. But it's a huge jump to go from knowing wizards and magic exists to having wards protecting your property and buying the Shroud of Turin. And this isn't like, you know, those rich people that buy stolen paintings and put them up on their wall. You know, like this is, he's buying the Shroud of Turin for a Mm -hmm. reason. Mm -hmm. And I I really like, I really like that kind of Marcone leveling up as a, I don't even want to say antagonist because he hasn't really been yet, but he's certainly, you're more library than me. How would what would you describe him as? I think he, he. We don't know if he's an, in if it, he is in a, a true antagonist yet. We don't know if he maybe a foil. Not necessarily because he does have his fingers in all of these pies. I think that he is probably a. He's going to be. It seems like he's going to be a constant uh, pebble in Harry's shoe. Okay. I was going to say thorn in his side. <laughs> same, same, same idea. But yeah, Absolute, because he's absolutely. just going to keep coming up. Yeah, I um, was thinking about that this week. And like, we talk a lot about how good the Shiro and charity stuff was with Show Don't Tell. Mm-hmm. All the scary stuff about Marcone so far has been Tell Don't Show. Right? Like, yeah. All of it has been people say he's scary. People say he's this. But like, we haven't really seen Marcone cook as a villain. And so I, at some point we probably have to, right? But it's interesting, the juxtaposition there, because Marcone, we know he's a bad guy because we're told he's a bad guy, right? Like, well, because he's a, he is breaking the law. The law, breaking the law. Um, Sure. But it's comparatively very different to the other, again, I don't want to say villains, but the other uh, people. I guess. Well, but Con- the thing contrary that- side characters. 
the only one that's not elbow deep in the magic by his own control. Yeah. Well, I, who knows now? Right? He's got words. Yeah. He's got stuff cooking. We don't know what the. I, I did love that that leveling up because you think about a story like this and you see it and the, the, the terminology I've used it before, but that's what they say is Harry's Harry levels up, right? He's already more powerful now than he was in Stormfront, mm-hmm. and I think you can probably guess that twelve novels from now he's not going to be weaker than he is now, right? That's just Which not how yeah. this kind of storytelling goes. But in a lot of ways, that involves him taking on stronger and stronger villains, right? Because if mm-hmm. the villains are the same and the hero gets stronger, like what are we doing here, right? Superman's going to wipe the floor with these guys. But um, to see Marcone level up as he goes also and get more involved in the magical scene, I think is a really cool way to do it. Yeah. And it's, 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 they're parallel lives. Kind of thing. They're parallel, parallel experiences, I guess maybe. No, absolutely. But that's one of the things that I still think that he's, something's going on with him. Fair enough. Fair enough. Far be it from me to tell you otherwise. Um, short of that, I don't know. I don't know how to do podcasts. What uh, What else we got? You, you ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah. What are we doing next week? Ah, next week. I think we're going to do five again. That way you get to do three chapters and I get to put my feet up. We have chapters... 18 through 22. Alrighty. 18 through 22. And uh, yeah, things get interesting. Things get spicy. I love it. So short of that, I appreciate all y'all. I appreciate Isa most of all. And well, second most. It's still the horse. Sorry, guys. You're my second favorite. Third charm, baby. Our horse who pays us money every month to do a podcast is my favorite creature in a lot. And it's pretty great. $5 a month. You're welcome to hop on. That was not me doing a commercial for it. I just like the horse better than Lissy. And I need her to know that it's important that my sister knows <laughs> my favorite non equine member of the podcast is on fire. And it wasn't my fault though. So you got that going for you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I think that is it. Uh, the podcast was on fire at gmail.com is the best way to hit us up. We're going to get a forum one of these days. Um, for now, that's the best way. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait till we hit a year or so. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, uh, somewhere in a novel eight or nine is when we'll figure that <laughs> stuff out. But, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I'm just delighted with every single one of you, except for that one guy in Des Moines. He knows what he did. But, uh, beyond that, thank you guys. I appreciate you. I will see you next week and we certainly will get us up. Give us a star. Give us a rating. Give us a download. Give us a whisper to your friends here. Any of that would be delightful, but thank you guys so much. I have been Josh. And I am Alyssa. With podcast was on fire. And it wasn't my fault. And uh, again, this is what I wanted out of this whole thing. You're, you're stuck with me for an hour and a half every week and we get to break into a book. Anyone else who listens is just gravy. <laughs> well, and the thing too, is I think that we both very much have that, like we can nerd out about literature. Yeah. <laughs>
for sure. I love reading. I love books. I love storytelling. And that that's one of the things about being able to do this is because I love books. I love storytelling. And it's just, this is a fun way to do it. Truly is. Sorry, I keep yawning. Oh, I've not been sleeping well. <sighs> Pobrecita. So annoying. I didn't sleep great last night either. My uh, sorceress died in Diablo 4. Dear God. Because I was pushing content I shouldn't have been. And I play hardcore, so she's gone. 20, 20 hours or so. 15 hours or so gone. So I stayed up too late for my next character. Oh, goodness. <sighs> Had to be done, though, you know. Demons have to be slain, Liz. I, I understand. I understand. 